Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. When vigilantism goes wrong, it really goes wrong. And then we take a look at the bizarre theory that humans are simply cattle being cultivated to be eaten by some sort of shape-shifting demonic entity are the only reason why we're here on Earth is to give our overlords some of that sweet, sweet loosh. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. That's our breaking news segment. I'm I'm adding this to the beginning of this episode because we had some breaking news. Ghislaine, what is it? Ghislaine Maxwell got arrested on sex abuse charges. If you don't know, Ghislaine Maxwell is the uh, basically the second in command of the Epstein. Allegedly, allegedly was a close personal confidant of the Jeffrey Epstein empire. And he killed himself. Long pause there. He killed himself back in 2019. It's funny. I was having this discussion with someone the other day. I go, he probably, my theory was always this. He probably killed himself, but he was probably being threatened to kill himself. He may have killed himself because he, um, you know, didn't want to spend the rest of his life in prison. But I do, I don't think someone snuck into the cell and did a little ninja move on him. I think that he did take his own life. I just think he was probably forced to. So is that still murder? Yes, that's still murder. But who knows? And again, that's a small line, whether he took his own life because someone forced him to, or someone came into the cell and made him take his own life, or someone murdered him. He was he still died. A, a, allegedly a very, very horrible man, but still, uh, you don't want anyone to die in a cell like that. You'd like him to face justice. This will be an interesting thing to see what happens with Ghislaine. Obviously, obviously she has to be under watchful eyes 24 hours a day right right there's no way she can have an accident or die i think people would the jeffrey epstein thing turned a lot of people i have a lot of friends who are not conspiracy theorists at all think the concept of the show is hilarious they can't believe the stuff that i talk about and they're like oh no jeffrey epstein definitely someone murdered him people who've never been into conspiracy theories before ever are totally like, oh no, that dude, that was there was something up with that guy. So if it happens with Ghislaine, dude, that would be a huge awakening. And what's interesting is this came on the heels of an insane, probably one of the best posts on X in five, six years, maybe. This guy last night on the X board, and I want to give a shout out too to the hooded a-hole on Twitter. I'm not going to say you now. I don't, you know, I don't cuss on this show, but the hooded a-hole sent me this over too, but I was already reading this thread last night on the X board. Last night on the X board, a guy wrote a story time with a dead man. And it's this write-up saying that he used to work with Jeffrey Epstein and he's going to kill himself today. But first he's going to mail out these packages to the media and expose what he knows about the Epstein storyline. 
I read it last night. I was up late reading it last night as it was happening. It was probably one of the best posts I've seen on X in five years, maybe. Since the Skinwalker story, honestly, since Skinwalkers became a thing. I really don't think it's... There's some inconsistencies in the story, time-wise. And he, the one thing that will make it difficult to cover, if I ever do cover it, he names private citizens. He gives out private people's names. And that's basically doxing people. And then you have to make a decision as a podcaster, like, do you add to that dox? Right, but there's some timeline issues with it. There's some is- there's some factual things with it. There's some other things with it that I'm suspicious of it. But whatever, whether or not it, if it's true, it's absolutely horrifying. Um, if it's not true, other than the little inconsistencies, it's an interesting narrative. It's an interesting look behind the scenes. He says that he was working. I'll tell you what I, my concern is with it, other than naming private citizens. Is that he says he worked for them? He worked with Jeffrey Epstein up until he died. He worked with them for about eight years, is how the narrative starts off. But then it turns out like he's disposing of a body in 2011, and Jeffrey Epstein died in 2019. So even if he started working at the very beginning, if he worked for almost eight years, so that's less than eight years, that would mean right when he got started with him, he was already dumping bodies and delivering drugs to Rihanna at a concert. Like, right when he got started. I, that part of the... When I went back, you're wrapped up in the narrative as you're reading it. You're like, oh, this is very interesting. Hopefully this isn't true. It's quite tragic. And then, to this morning when I woke up and I saw that Ghislaine news, and people are now saying, whoa, this guy, you know, is dropping this story, and he's mailing this stuff out of the media, and Ghislaine gets arrested the next day. But, stuff like that. There's There's issues like that where he says it's... Eight years. He'd been working with him for almost eight years, but 2011 would have been eight years, and he's already disposing of a body for the Romney family, was this thing. He goes on the story that... I, and that's the thing. Like, you can make claims. You can make... You, you shouldn't. But you can say, you know, like, stuff about Mitt Romney or Donald Trump or John McCain or Jeffrey Epstein and Ghislaine Maxwell, for that matter. They're public figures. But... He names a member of the Romney family, who I can't verify is a member of the Romney family. Then someone posts the Twitter of this guy. Um, There's Twitter, this Twitter handle, where this dude, he only had seven followers and he followed 53 people. It was all photography related stuff. So there was no connection that this account actually was related to the Romney family. I couldn't find the Romney family. You see how difficult it is, though, because I don't want to name this dude, because at that point I'm doxing this guy. I'm doxing this guy. And he names two other people that he said helped to murder a YouTuber, which or an independent blogger or something like that. And he's saying these people's real names, and you have to go: is is this a legit story? And he's naming these people. Is this a, a troll? And he doesn't like people with these similar names because he says what area they're from. So it makes it difficult for me to cover, honestly. Um, even me linking it in the show notes. If they try suing, they could say, well, da-da-da. So I have to be real careful with that. But it was an interesting thread on the X board. And then you have this thing with Ghislaine Maxwell happening the next day. We'll see where, if anything, comes from this board. And, you know, another thing with the X board is that you never know if the first person who posted or at what point they stopped posting and someone else is filling it in and stuff like that. So an interesting story, if it, if it is a LARP, if it is just a story, it was a fun read. If it's real, it was absolutely tragic. The truth may lie somewhere in between. 
But that is where we're at. I, I wanted to go ahead and tell that story for this episode. And again, if your more developments pop out, maybe we'll cover the X thing. But I, it's just difficult. It's just difficult. I will say this. He, one, one puzzling aspect to it, and again, that thing that made me a little suspicious was he saw a man. Just get your kids out of the room for this part. But he saw a man. He walks into a, a shed, a work shed, and he sees a man sexually assaulting another man. And he can only see the guy's back. And he says on the guy's back was a Richard Nixon tattoo. And I didn't know who the guy was. So then I went and I googled Richard Nixon tattoo. And I saw it was Roger Stone. What I found interesting about that detail was you have to have... That's another thing that made me very suspicious about the story. Because, one, you had to have a tattoo that you could Google. Right? If he walked in and he saw, and I saw a tattoo of like a yin-yang symbol on his back. We would, ne- as readers, we would never believe he would know... He typed in Yin Yang tattoo on back, and it brought up a celebrity. Roger Stone, huge Republican operative, a close ally to Donald Trump, helped get Donald Trump elected. Roger Stone having a Richard Nixon tattoo on his back is pretty well known. Not everyone's going to know it. You may not have known it. But it, when I read that part, I go, oh, that's Roger Stone. So, so, and then he says, you know, I Googled it later. It would have to be a tattoo that you could Google. Oh, he had a bird on his arm. So I Googled bird tattoo on arm and it turned out to be Popeye. Like that made it a little weird. Plus also when you're walking into a room and you see a man sexually assaulting another man. So sorry. So sorry that I have to go into this detail. But you walk into a room, you see a man sexually assaulting another man. Would you recognize the Richard Nixon tattoo on his back? Like, you may see a face on his back. He's also wearing a bull mask, a giant bull head. So when your brain's picking up these things in this room, you have this horrible crime taking place, you have a naked elderly man, you have a bull mask, but somehow you're able to look at this face on his back and recognize it as a president of the United States. He recognizes it immediately as Richard Nixon. He goes and he Googles it, and he's able to tell us it's Roger Stone. I think that's another reason why I think the story's not true. It's just too great of a narrative there. Because I don't think you would, I don't, one, I don't think you would recognize, it's such a shocking act, I don't think you would recognize the president's face on this dude's back. And it had to be a tattoo that was so memorable that we could understand it. Again, if it was a tattoo of anything else, if it was a giant serpent on his back, or, you know, a piece of Kentucky Fried Chicken being held by a goblin, if it was just any other tattoo, you never would have been able to Google it. So, a very, very convenient story. But, is in, again, interesting story nonetheless. Um, it's definitely going to be legend. I, the reason why I'm covering it is it's going to definitely become a legendary story because of the timing of it. Because of the timing of it. Story or not, I hope this guy doesn't kill himself. Um, I'm leaning towards LARP on it. I really am leaning towards LARP on it because of some of these details. And a couple other people in the X board were like, this is real. You'll be able to name the type of phones that Jeffrey Epstein used. It's not in any of the police reports, but insiders know the type of phones and there was no answer for that. So there are other people kind of pushing back on it. Other people like me were just kind of engaged in this narrative. And then this morning I wake up, I'm doing all my research and then I see that Ghislaine Maxwell. Coincidence, most likely, he wasn't even saying that he was going to the feds or anything like that. He said he was just going to send out documents to CNN, MSNBC, and Fox News explaining. That was another interesting thing about it. He said that he had these typed up documents he was going to send out. But when he was posting on the X board, it was in chunks. So he could have he could have simply copied and pasted 
the document he already had created. He could have down he could have dropped the whole thing in X. Instead of posting and then saying, Oh, I'm gonna go to the liquor store and get some alcohol, and then posting and saying, Oh, I, you know, I'm sorry, I, I heard a car outside my house. I'm a little scared right now. He could have just posted what he had ready to go to CNN, MSNBC. So there's some narrative issues with the story. But again, one of the best things I've read on X in five years. Again, I don't think it's accurate. For those reasons, and it's an engaging read. I don't don't necessarily say if I was entertained, because it was tragic stuff, but it was definitely an interesting read. Had some details that made you go, ah, that that might be real, and then had some other details that made you go, but anyways, interesting story nonetheless, story time with a dead man. It'll be gone by the time that you listen to this episode, probably, the way the export just kind of disappears stuff. But I, again, don't feel comfortable linking it in the show notes for legal reasons, not because I think it's true or it's not true. You know, people have already started contacting. The, I, I noticed one person already friended this guy on Twitter, and um, I don't think that dude knows what's, what's going to happen. I don't know if that dude is now going to start getting an onslaught of people asking him about all this stuff. So that is that. That the, Today's episode is going to be long because I just recorded this whole intro, but I wanted to get this information out to you. And I know some of you guys may be upset that I don't link it in the show notes, but it, and it's a legal thing. And it will be archived and all this stuff throughout the world. But be careful with tracking down these people too. Not like because you're afraid you're going to break in your door, but... When you're naming private citizens, we've seen this happen before, too. You're naming private citizens. It's totally different. And don't harass them. You know what I mean? Fine, if you got a problem with Romney or Roger Stone or Ghislaine, whatever. They're public figures. But if you're reading this, just remember that. That would be my concern. The people that he's naming. Because he doesn't name himself, see? Even though he's going to kill himself and he's sending out these letters, people go, well, if you're going to kill yourself, who are you? What is your name? He never names himself, but he doesn't name these other people. For all we know, these people could have been his roommates and they burned him on six months lease. We don't know. He's dropping them in there. We don't know. We don't know. But that is part of the mystery. So yeah, this episode is going to be very long because this turned out to be about a 10-minute intro. Have a great weekend. I wanted to get that out to you guys. Have a great weekend. And here's the episode. everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day, too. Hope you guys are ready for a really cool weekend. It's Guitar Rift. This is the first time you've ever listened to this show. That's not normal. Don't, don't do that all the time. Don't be worried. First off, let's give a shout-out to our newest Patreon supporter, Squeeze God. Squeeze God, thank you so much for supporting the show. I don't know if you're saying that you're the god of squeezing or you want to squeeze God. Either way, you support the show, so you get a shout out. You'll also be our captain, our pilot this episode. If you can't support the Patreon, that's fine too. Just help get the word out about the show. That really, really helps out a lot. We have a merch store and we have the Minecraft server. And hopefully by the time you're hearing this episode, it's updated to 1.16. So come and join us on the Minecraft server. It's, it's cool. We're building like little cities and stuff. So squeeze. Let's go ahead and squeeze you into the Jason Jalopy. Or maybe you're maybe you can fit in it normally. We are leaving behind Hood River, Oregon, and we are headed out to Milwaukee, Wisconsin. So we're driving out to Milwaukee, Wisconsin. We're going to cover this briefly. I think it's a really interesting story, though. What happened was on this super recent, super recent, on June 21st, 2020, 
two girls, a 13-year-old and a 15-year-old girl, go missing. And there's this, this neighborhood in Wisconsin. The articles give the, the address of the house, which I guess they kind of had to do. I'm not going to do it. But there was a house in this neighborhood in Milwaukee. The neighbors go, oh, we saw Mr. Officer, Mr. Officer. They're talking to a cop. They're not talking to Richard Gere walking down the street. It's an old reference. Anyways, anyways, Mr. Officer, Mr. Officer. And the cop pulls over. They're like, we know where the girls are. Those two missing girls. We saw them go into this house. So the cops go knock on the door. Do you have any missing girls here? And then I just imagine the owner of the house looks like a wolf in human clothing and being like, no, I do not. Good, sir. Do not check my house. But I guarantee I have no runaways or kidnapped girls here. And the cops are like, okay. And they leave. Now, this happens actually a couple times. The cop, they keep getting these calls. Go to this house. They keep showing up at the house. But really, without probable cause, they can't go into the house. And the person's not letting them in. As far as that's what it seemed like the articles were showing. They went missing on on June 21st. On June 22nd, the cops are going to the house multiple times that day, each time leaving empty-handed. Each time you see a wolf-shaped silhouette go, <laughs> behind the curtains of the house. But on June 23rd, the neighborhood's like, no, we're not going to deal with this. Not by the hair of our chinny-chin-chin. They basically lay siege to the house. Yeah, a bunch of vigilantes, mob justice, surrounds the house, and they're like, hey, let the girls out. The wolf at this point's like, ugh, let the girls out. We know the girls are in there. We saw the girls go in. And the person in the house is like, absolutely not. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. I hope he has a better answer than that. He's like, um, what girls? I have these girls that aren't mine. But no, he was like, no, I don't have any girls here. Well, you're surrounded by vigilantes. The cops show up again. And I don't know who called the cops at this point, the vigilantes or the guy in the house. The cops show up again, and this time there's cops in the house. They're searching the house. There's cops outside the house holding back the vigilantes. That's about 10, 11 in the morning. By the afternoon, hundreds of people in the area have shown up. It's all over Twitter and Instagram. There's one guy, he live-streamed it, Frank Nitty. He's a community organizer. He live-streamed it. I think it was like two hours long, the live-stream. People are coming from all over. Someone drives by. Pop, 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 pop. Opens fire into the crowd. People are panicking. The cops are holding the people back. People want to get in the house. They start tussling with the cops. You have investigators trying to control the crime scene. Someone runs out of the house down the street. Chaos. It's absolute chaos here. But then something happens. Something very, very important happens to this story. A fire breaks out in the back of the house. And a van that was parked outside the house. So you have a car burn and a part of the house burns. And Frank Nitty goes, guys, you're burning evidence. You're destroying evidence. Like this was, that was a bad move. Nine girls in total had gone missing. It was the two girls that they saw go into this house. But in this area, nine girls in total are missing. By the end of this event, three of the girls are found not in this house. Again, not that I could tell. It seems like they were found in other locations. It, doesn't mean this house had nothing to do with it, but it doesn't definitely doesn't mean the house did have something to do with it. But one of the rooms in the back of the house is burned. One of the vans parked by the house is burned. Frank Nitty goes, this is counterproductive. And then there's an interesting quote. I was reading the article in the Urban Milwaukee. The Urban Milwaukee website had this article. Suspected sex trafficking house burned. It was by Jeremy uh, Jane. Jeremy Jane. Here's this uh, quote. So Frank Nitty is talking to Sergeant Todd Smolin, Police Sergeant Todd Smolin. And Todd Smolin says to Frank Nitty, I'm telling you, you're being used. 
I'm telling you, you're being used. I think that's an interesting quote, because the way that I read this and the way it was kind of presented in the articles was that the vigilantes set fire to the house because they were so enraged that the cops weren't doing anything. And that was definitely part of it. Girls are missing in your area. You feel like the cops can't do anything about it. The cops, as far as they're concerned, are following the rules. And they didn't consider the girls, quote, high risk, which generally means they're at risk of injury. They have some sort of mental deficiency and stuff like that. And you're thinking, Jason, they're 13 and 15 years old. Of course, they're high risk. Generally, they the cops probably thought they were at their boyfriend's house or something like that. But you have a community that's really upset because multiple phone calls saying these young girls and others had been in and out of this house. The police, their hands are tied. They can't kick down doors. And go, where's your kids? I mean, they can, but then there's all sorts of other, like, cases get thrown out by judges and stuff. So, everyone is doing what they feel is the right thing to do. And then a crime scene starts burning, a van starts burning. I was reading this article and I thought, the mob of vigilantes did not set that fire. I'm telling you, you're being used. Somebody, this is my theory, Some that I don't want to say that that house was involved in sex trafficking because I don't legally know. But let's put on our conspiracy caps and say that that's what the case is here. We'll agree with the mob in this case. It would With our conspiracy caps firmly on, it would be very easy for me to have one of my associates sneak in with the mob and start burning evidence. And it would look like the mob did it. It would look like it was just an, it looks like it was just vigilante justice. But in reality, I know where there are school ID cards. I know where there are things that can tie me to other missing people. I'm going to burn this location down. Burn this room down. Burn the van down where I've been transporting these people. And then sneak off into the crowds of hundreds of people. All allegedly conspiracy kept firmly on. The police, as far as I've read in these articles suspected sex trafficking. There's no proof. No one's been taken to jail as of now. Not even the vigilante group. But, quote, I'm telling you you're being used. That's a very interesting comment coming from the police sergeant. Is it possible that they did have an ongoing investigation into this house and this prompted them to jump the gun and now they were able to destroy the evidence, this other group of people? Who knows? Who knows? Vigilanteism is really cool when it's done for the right reasons. and. As long as you do it, I guess part of being a vigilante is not having a book. You can't do it by the book, but you you do have to think long term. I cover a lot of vigilantes on this show. I think it's a very, very interesting topic. But sometimes this hat can happen too, and you can have third parties come in and use that chaos to their advantage. So interesting story. Squeeze God, thanks for driving us out here to Milwaukee. You know what? Let's before we go anywhere else, let's drive to the local library. Because I found this this thing. We're going to take a look at it. You guys are like, great. So we go to the Milwaukee Library. I'm sure there's a giant one in the middle of the city. We're going to walk around. Hello? 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 Is anyone there? there. Empty libraries are spooky. But we're walking around the spooky library because I'm going to show you a gra- I'm going to show you a grammar trick. Don't shut it off. This will change your day. This will blow your mind, maybe. Or you can just skip ahead 30 seconds. What do all of these... <laughs> What do all of these words, squeeze God, is just tapping his watch. He's still in the Jason Jalopy. He didn't even come into the library with this. What do all of these words have in common? Yeah, we're doing this. Flip-flop, TikTok, ping-pong. You're like, hold on. Dilly-dally, hip-hop, King Kong. All these words have this thing 
called, it's so funny because I can't pronounce this, but it's called Ablaut Reduplication. Ablaut Reduplication. So this is weird. It's one of those weird grammar rules. We covered something like this before, like the order of adjectives. And what's funny is a lot of people from, uh, there's a thing about order of adjectives in the English language. They're in a specific order. And a lot of people from other countries who listen to the show emailed me, messaged me on YouTube and said, we were taught that in school. Native English speakers aren't taught the rule. It's just something we pick up. But I, there's people from all over the world listening to the show and they're, they go, we were taught that. We were taught the order of adjectives. It's, it's some, yeah, it was, we were never taught this, but this is something called ablaut reduplication. Nobody knows why this is a grammar rule. So it's a conspiracy. So it fits. It fits the theme of the show. Nobody knows is the Illuminati behind it. <laughs> It is, you repeat a word with a modified vowel. That's kind of the rule here. So if the first word has an I, the next word will have an A or an O. And if there's three of them, it'll go I-A-O. So ding dong, it'll never be dong ding. Or ding dang, it'll never be dang ding. I made that up. It's not even a real thing, but chit chat, crisscross, zigzag. It will, you can't, think about it, dong ding. What? Flop flip. Are you going to wear your flop flips, people? It sounds weird. And they don't know why. They think it has something to do with the physics of sound. Because hip goes up and hop goes down. So, like, if you go hip, hip, hooray, it won't be hooray. Wait, what? Hooray. Wait, what? Hip, hip, hooray. Hooray, hip, hip. See, it doesn't work. But what if you go hip, hip, hooray, hip, hip, hooray, hip, hip. Hip, hip, hooray. I guess that stops. Hip, hip, hooray. Hip, hip, hooray. <laughs> now, now everyone's sitting in the Jason Jalopy tapping their watch. I'm almost done, guys. But isn't that weird? I put away the big grammar book. It's weird. I don't, again, that might be something they teach in other countries when they're learning English. But I would have never thought that you can't just do cross Chris apple piss. It's always going to be crisscross applesauce. Plus, apple piss doesn't exist. Ooh, that rhymes. Jot that down and jot that down in my freestyle book. I'm gonna use that someday. Yeah, so anyways, there's that grammar rule, weird grammar rule number two. That's what that was written in my notes as. And I'll let you guys know, I do not have a weird grammar rule number three. So we've done the two. So if you guys like this segment, that's all I got. I'm sorry. Okay, we're ready. I put the book away. I actually put the book in my back pocket. I'm gonna look for another weird grammar rule. Squeeze God, let's hop in the one, the only Carpenter Copter. Hey guys, if you haven't supported the Patreon yet, I'm going to be revealing. I got more of these stickers to send out. Hopefully, by the time this episode airs, because I'm recording them in advance because I'm going on vacation soon, everyone will have their sticker. But pretty soon, I'm going to reveal the design of this Patreon sticker. It's dope. I'm getting a lot of emails from people who've gotten it. I want to keep it as a surprise as long as possible, but Carpenter Copter is a hint for what the sticker is. Let's go ahead and hop in that beautiful Carpenter Copter and Squeeze God. I want you to take us up, up, and away. That's I own that. No one else came up with that. Don't, don't sue me, DC Comics. Um, let's go away, up, and up. We are going to fly out to the Monroe Institute. What's the nondescript building? The Monroe Institute actually borders on the realm of the real and the unreal. This was a request from Dogbirth on YouTube. Thank you very much, Dogbirth. This was an this was an interesting topic. I hadn't come across. I think I had come across this in passing 
But it's interesting to take a deeper look at this. We're going to land at the Monroe Institute, and we're wearing our white doctor's coats, our, our lab coats. We walk in, we pass our security cards over the thing. Beep! Beep! And we go and Doors open up. The Monroe Institute was started by a guy named Robert Monroe. He wanted to work on learning while you're asleep. He wanted to build this program, this learning thing. Technique teaching is what they normally call it. So you can be taught while you're sleeping. It's, it, that would be cool. Very matrixy. But while he's working on that, he actually begins using all of his equipment and fancy doodads. Not dad do's. He realizes that joke's done. He realizes that he can leave his body. See, right before he's falling asleep, right before he loses consciousness, he would feel his soul float out of his body. He was able to astrally project his spirit. He'd float around, and he would fly around dimensions. Now, do I find it suspicious that this is that he's able to travel beyond the realm of the real while he's sleeping, or quote, almost sleeping? I mean, last night I had a dream. I was Dean Winchester, and I was fighting an impossible demon. I was half awake towards the end of the dream, but I would never confuse that with reality. But that first off, I should give you an idea of what I think of a lot of the story. So if you're a fan of Robert Monroe, you may want to shut the podcast off. But that's a little suspicious, right? That's a little suspicious. I'm able to do, I'm able to travel to this amazing world where I'm married to my high school sweetheart and all my kids are totally awesome, but only when I'm, only when I'm, quote, almost asleep, which most of us really, that's your sleep. But anyways, he invents this way to astrally project. He's also seems to be, okay, he's also the innovator behind like bi- binaural beats, binaural, binaural, anyways, those beats that like are supposed to get you high. That was like the, the the most TLDR version of it's basically supposed to present, it's supposed to put off these sound waves like one in one ear and one in the other. And you're like, Jason, isn't it normal headphones? No, no, no. It does it at different wavelengths. The right amount is supposed to get you high. You can buy them online and it'll be like, do this one if you want to like know what ecstasy's like. I think, in my opinion, that there's no scientific proof to back it up that if i put a pair of headphones on you and i tell you these will simulate the feeling of cocaine there is a higher chance if you believe in the technology that you will get euphoria from listening to that and if i put in lynn and said steal my sunshine will give you the equivalent of taking ecstasy and you had never heard that song before you didn't hear you didn't know how good that song was even without the ecstasy and you listen to that song, but a researcher or a pamphlet that written in very scientific terms told you it would make it feel like it was ecstasy, then you may feel like it was in ecstasy, right? And to be fair, a lot of medicine can be considered placebo medicine, but you have an anti-inflammatory. It either anti-inflames your muscles or it doesn't. And it may not work on a small amount of people, and it may give a small amount of people an allergic reaction, but for the most part... Study after study, it actually de-inflames or anti-inflames your muscles. Binaural beats, and the fact that I can't pronounce it doesn't mean that I can't talk trash about it. That's and I've tried it. I mean, I'm not. That's something that I actually looked into before. It's like, oh yeah, I want to simulate this stuff, and I had good quality headphones. I maybe I'm not. Maybe I'm in the super small percentage I want to work on. But again, it's not something that science will back up, or that really any long-term studies will back up. But he does that stuff. He came up with that stuff. I don't know if he invented it, but that was a big part of his process. 
And you can pay $1,200 to go to one of these seminars at the Monroe Institute and, and go into this long thing. And we'll actually cover a bit more about the Monroe Institute in a Monday's episode. Because I got a whole other story about the Institute itself. Very, very interesting story. But for now, we've talked about Robert Monroe. We're going to take off our lamp coats. And now we're wearing like this sleek, shiny armor. It's like suits, like those suits from Pacific Rim. And we are going to go into the realm, the astral realm. We're flying around. There's like rainbow colors coming all around us and stuff like that. Squeeze God, no! He gets lost in the void. Oh, that's okay. As long as I get his Patreon money, he'll be fine. And so we're flying through the astral realm, and we land in a void. But this isn't just any, this isn't any normal void. This isn't any normal pitch black darkness. And there's Squeeze God. He showed back up. I knew he would. I had faith in him all along. This one, we see like this monster there, right? Whatever monster, whatever boogeyman you picture. I picture these guys. This is how I picture these guys. I picture these guys. They're like bird people, like big old beak monster man. And then they have like gold cloaks on. Like something from the Dark Crystal, but they're all yellow. And then they got gold cloak. I don't know. They're they're not really good at clashing. They're not really good at color coordinating. That would be like a human wearing a flesh-colored jacket. That's what they look like. These, and I don't know why I think of them like that, but these things are known as archons. Archons? Archons? One of the two. It doesn't matter. They don't exist. So anyways, these things, these dark entities, sit on the edge of the universe. They're in this void. And we're floating in our suits. Now, we're wearing our suits to protect ourselves from these non-existent creatures. But in the course of this story, they're real. And there's not just one of these archons. We see a bunch of them. And they're just sitting in the void. And they're kind of like, yes, here it comes, guys. Ah, oh, yes, yes. The darkness will finally be filled. Finally, we will have our revenge. And then we're like, what? We're kind of looking... Kind of just standing there. We're invisible to these guys as well. Just, again, for sake of story, these imaginary creatures may get us. And they're sitting in this void, and we see a little, like, light coming from Earth. We see this light traveling through the astral void. It's getting bigger and bigger, and we can tell the Archons are getting, or Archons, however you pronounce it. The Archons are getting more and more, like, they're salivating now. We see this light getting bigger. Bigger and bigger, and it's a, it's a it's it's like a Honda Accord, right? It's this car that's driving the art. We're like, what? That's kind of weird. The Archons are like, ah, yeah, yeah, oh yeah. And then the Honda Accord gets bigger, and we see there's a little like sign on the top of it, and it says, "Loosh, loosh, loosh delivery service." And you're like, what? I'm like, hold on, hold on. It'll get it'll get closer. This Honda Accord traveling through the astral realm parks in front of the Archons, and the door opens up. And some dude, some 19-year-old kid gets out, and he's holding a big box of steaming louche. And then he takes it to the Archons and goes, that'll be 495, please, 495 dimensional lifetimes, please. And the Archons allow him to reincarnate for another 495 lifetimes. And they're just, while the one's having to pay him, everyone else is just (laughs) eating the louche. The Archons cannot get enough of that sweet, sweet louche. So what is louche? Loosh. So Robert Monroe, while he was floating around, while he was dreaming, really, right? While he was dreaming, he was floating around in the void. He meets this being of light that tells him this story. It basically goes, listen, there are these creatures. Basically, the story I just told you, except for the Honda Accord. There are outside of the universe, there are these creatures known as Archons, and they feed off human misery. They feed off human souls, all of our energy. It's called Loosh. But the more 
misery we go through and the more chaotic stuff we go through makes the Lush far more delicious. So they actually cause evil and cause wars and chaos and stuff like that. So by the time we die, they got that sweet, sweet Lush, baby. Eat it up like spaghetti noodles. So... He, apparently, this part I can't really make fun of because this part's sad. Robert Monroe, when he came across this belief, what happened was after Robert Monroe had this vision, dream, however you want to say it, dream, <laughs> he went into a horrible depression because, as I'm laughing, he went into a horrible depression because he goes, what's the point of living if when I die, some being's just going to eat me, eat, eat, eat my all my soul and everything like that? And What's the point of existing if all of life is aimed towards misery just to make me more delicious? A lot of people believe this. A lot of people believe this. Yesterday I was talking about 2028, man. And I was like, how how does this guy get 134,000 followers? Like, how do people fall for this so quickly? It's because people want to believe. They want to believe. We really want to believe that this stuff is true. 2028, man, whatever. He wants to talk about, he obviously scared a bunch of people. He ended up doing an apology video. He's like, hey, to any kids that I scared, I didn't mean to scare you. We can change it by being more gentle, da-da-da-da-da. This stuff scares people. I'm not saying that you can't tell scary stories, because obviously there are scary things. But there's a difference between like me going, hey, dude, don't watch out, don't fall off that cliff, rather than me going, well... I, I could If I say, watch out, that might scare him, I'm going to let him fall off the cliff. Versus... Right before I fell asleep, I had a vision of a white light telling me that all life is meaningless, and I'm going to share that with you guys, saying it's true. And a lot of people believe this. Like I said, people pay a lot of money to go to the Monroe Institute and things like that. Now, a lot of people believe all sorts of stuff. You can go, Jason, you've talked a lot about your faith as being a Southern Baptist. That's just is equally ridiculous. And that's totally fine, too. That's totally fine, too. But, I mean... You know, the, the most major religions, they kind of have a happy ending at the end, right? It's not that if you do everything right, you're eventually going to be devoured by God. And he's just going to swallow you up like you're a, a, whatchamacallit bar. Like, the end, most religions at the end, there's hope. There's hope. In this version, there's no hope. You just get gobbled up. Now, I have two two ways to look at this. Three ways to look at this. One is, I don't believe it. I don't believe it. Um, But let's say I did. Let's say I did believe it. That in the end, some dimensional creature gobbles me up. When I read that, I thought, that's what we do, right? Right? And it doesn't mean the pig's life was worthless. Like, I wouldn't necessarily, like, sure, if a pig had a choice between getting turned into bacon and me eating it, or getting turned into a bacon and Paul Pot eating it, I don't think the pig's going to be like, ah, it doesn't matter. Like, I would want my energy not to go to some sort of interdimensional tyrant but if that was the end that's what we do right every leaf we consume except for poison ivy something eats that right everything's consumed on some level and it doesn't mean that the the fact that i'm eating the pig or the cow or whatever doesn't mean that its life was worthless that its existence was worthless its existence carried on through me but Jason, you're not eating the pig's soul. Let's say I was consuming the pig's soul, right? I was straight up a death eater. <laughs> so it doesn't mean that the pig's life was worthless. Let's look at a quote from one of the believers of this. There's a author named Bronte Baxter. And they wrote this, um, they have this blog. This is from Blowing the Whistle, Chapter 5. Can you believe it? Blowing the Whistle, Chapter 5, Tracking the Crack in the Universe. The universe is built on, so here's this quote, and really the thesis is the universe is built on killing and eating. 
Here's this quote. The other day I grabbed an onion from a basket to chop up, and I saw it had sprouted a beautiful, tender, light green shoot. It had life inside it, a consciousness that wanted to take root, breathe air, and thrive. Any tears in chopping that onion did not come from the fumes. Come on, bro. It's just an onion. And the onion... Like, really, dude? How, I don't understand how... how no, you might... I'm sure you're a totally awesome person. Like, I'm not bad-mouthing you. But I don't understand how someone can go through the day like that. Because everything you eat used to be alive. Everything used to be alive. Unless you're the rock biter from Never Ending Story. Everything you eat is used to be alive. But yeah, so we have interesting statements like that coming out of this belief that the Ark... And another thing that we see in this is that God... There's no God. There's no God in this philosophy. It's the Archons, and they've created the idea of a God, and we worship this idea of God, and the Archons are also able to feed off worship. So they feed off misery, they feed off joy, they feed off turning joy into misery, they feed off worship. And it's one of those conspiracies, it's basically no matter what you do, your back's to the wall. They have an answer for everything. It's one of those conspiracy theories or one of those beliefs that has an answer for everything. To be fair, a lot of religious systems do have an answer for everything, but most of them weren't made up right before somebody falls asleep, right? I mean, right? That's the thing. And the reason why, I mean, it's if you want to believe this stuff, it's fine. I believe in ghosts and aliens and all sorts of weird stuff that a lot of people don't believe in. But hope, hope, I think is such an integral part of the belief system. I think when you have a belief system that is devoid of hope, that in the end, nothing matters, which I guess you could, I don't even think atheism falls into that category. And I'm not an atheist, but I don't even, I wouldn't even consider an atheist devoid of hope. They just go, I didn't exist before I was born and I'm not going to exist after I die. And I didn't know what life was like before I was born. And I'm not going to know what it was like after I died. And I'm okay with that. Versus all your misery is caused because some space eagle that Jason pictured, a bunch of these archons want to consume you. So every evil thing that happens in your life is out of your control. You have no control over it. These demonic creatures are making you do it. And if you happen to have a good day, they're going to eat that too. They're going to eat everything. And in the end, you're nothing more than a chicken nugget to these creatures. And on the one hand, I would say, well, that chicken was nothing but a chicken nugget, a literal chicken nugget for me. And I ate it and it powered me throughout the day. It's a very, very nutritious chicken nugget. And if it turns out that I die and my soul's floating around, then I'm like, oh, this is pretty dope. And then I see, like, some space eagle in a golden robe. Yeah, I might be a little disappointed. But I'd be like, oh, and I, I did eat a lot of stuff. And then this, this, I mean, well, just desserts. Literally, I'm just the dessert. And then I fly into its mouth and give it indigestion. I mean, you know, you know. But just even reading this stuff, this article, people were like, oh, yeah, I really got depressed when I heard about this. It's fake. I mean, that's, come on, man. You know, it's weird because I feel like if Robert Monroe or somebody like him had had a dream, had hooked himself up to these headphones, and then the next day says, I've realized that Jesus Christ is the Lord and Savior, no, this would have gained no traction, right? If he put these headphones on and takes them off and he goes, I had a vision that I need to go to Mecca and, and become a Muslim, people would be like, uh. But because he states this completely bizarre conspiracy theory that's spooky, and counterintuitive, really, to what we think will happen. Because there's no reincarnation in this. There's If you went, this guy's written three books. So maybe in some one of his books, he has some sort of out clause where you can get reincarnated or something like that. From what I gathered, 
It's just you get eaten. <laughs> you get eaten in the end, right? If he had come, if he had, if he had gone under into this astral realm and come back and stated a mainstream belief and decided to become a minister in Louisiana, no one would pay twelve hundred dollars to go to his institute, right? If twenty twenty eight man had popped up and said, "I'm from the future and just do normal stuff. Nothing bad's going to happen. Everything's going to be fine for the next twenty years. There'll be some hiccups and stuff like that." But yeah, guys, don't worry. I'm from the future and everything's okay. He'd have five thousand followers if that. Fear sells. Fear sells. People love to buy it. Let's put on our conspiracy caps to finish our episode like this. So all a legend. This is in the realm of creative. Right. This is in the realm of dreaming. Let's all put on our little sleepy caps like we're in a 1920s cartoon. Put on some headphones and close our eyes. In the old religion, in the old world, you'd have a god speak through a messenger. Say what the afterlife holds. Say the rules you need to follow to get into said afterlife. Lay down the law of what will happen to those who don't believe. Why wouldn't the archons be any different than that? They're sitting in the void. The black void. There's not enough fear to feed on anymore. I mean, yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot. But we want more. We want existential fear. People are afraid of war and famine. But we want something more. So they send a messenger to Earth to deliver a message of hopelessness. A message that no matter what you do, you are feeding something dark and evil which in turn makes you despair even more before when you were sick or you were afraid of dying you thought the end is over soon but now that you've heard this new doctrine you're even more afraid of dying because not only will you die but you will be consumed by something dark and evil you're nothing but a little treat to it your entire existence led up to simply being a little more energy for a creature from beyond the realm. God has sent messengers to Earth. Why couldn't the Archons? Why couldn't they have sent Robert Monroe not to stumble across binaural beats, but with an implicit purpose to spread the doctrine of hopelessness? I'm not saying that's true. I'm not saying that's true. I'm not saying that Robert Monroe was created by a race of space eagles wearing golden robes. But if he was, he did a really good job. Because when you look up the story of Lush, you see a lot of stories of hopelessness and fear. And I think that's very convenient. That that's exactly what the Archons feed on. deadrabbitradio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. Twitter is at deadrabbitradio. Deadrabbitradio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great weekend, guys.
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.